Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, he's his mother's son and the man who's just trying to find his way. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. She's put out some really great singles this year, including After Midnight and Twilight, and I think we're going to talk about those. Please welcome to the podcast, Adeline. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Did, did I say it right? You said it perfectly. That made me really happy. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I, and I, I, looked at, uh, I looked at your website, and you even have the pronunciations up there. I do. In my, my debut album is uh, self-titled, and I put it right under the name, the pronunciation exactly. as well. Yeah. 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 It was that or changing my name, and I was told not to change it, so that was the compromise. <laughs> yeah, don't change it. Don't change it. <laughs> I, I've been known to slaughter a few names uh, in the introduction, so. Oh, okay. I would not take it personally. It happens. It's totally normal. <laughs> I appreciate that. We only had one person kind of take it a little personal. They, uh, oops. Yeah, and that was uh, luckily. But uh, we uh, we we save face later on. During oh, okay. The so, there we go. All right. Well, the premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I'm wearing a new Tom Petty shirt I got for my daughters on Father's Day. Perfect. All right. How about you, Adeline? Uh, I'm wearing a tr- very tropical shirt, cut-off T-shirt with um, Hawaiian print palm trees and flowers on it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Good, good shirt for a sunny afternoon, Saturday yes, afternoon. Exactly. Right. Uh, so I'm wearing Wayne. Um, this is my last-ditch effort. Uh, so I'm wearing my Will Hogue versus All Y'all shirt. Um, if you remember... Uh, he posted a picture of the t-shirt on Twitter a couple months ago. I said, I'll buy your shirt if you come on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And he said, sure. And then ever since then, um, my emails to management have gone, uh, unanswered. So, <laughs> so Will, if you're listening, uh, you know, let's, let, let's do this. I, I, I did my, I did my end of the bargain. So. Um, but Wayne, have you listened to the new Will album? Uh, not in its entirety, but I have listened to three or four songs. Uh, yeah, yes, I like it very much. Very good. It's very good. Um, so I'm going to give everybody full disclosure. So I started a new diet two days ago, mandated by my doctor. And so uh, I'm kind of miserable right now. Uh-huh. Like I had, I had to give up nearly all my favorite food. So um Soda, bacon, butter, donuts, um, which is pretty much um, the staples of my diet. So um, I'm going to try and put on as happy a face as possible. Wayne, I know you did you did a little dieting uh, uh, over the last year. Any any tricks? uh, Any suggestions on how to be happy during a diet? No, you have to you have to just get used to it. Like I don't eat it. I love sandwiches and not, and keto bread is horrible. So I just don't eat sandwiches as often, but then every, but every once in a while you got to, and then eat half a sandwich. So, I mean, there's just moderation. I didn't really die. I didn't really cut anything out. I just 
ate less of it. Yeah. But it takes a while. Any suggestions for me, Adeline? Um, think about the service you're doing to your body. And, you know, you can think, okay, I, I had those things many, many years, and now I'm, I'm going to, I got to enjoy that, and now I'm going to try something else, you know? I, I, yeah. Doing and, yourself a here, huge favor by doing that. I know, but here's my quandary. So all of my happy places are gone right now. So my happy places are live music, uh-huh. baseball stadiums, uh-huh. and, then, and then eating. So those are my happy places. So all my happy places are gone. So I think that you can still have your ha- happy place in eating. You can just discover new things to eat that are like that are delicious and good for you. I'm a, I'm a very very healthy eater. So personally, if I was maybe that could help. If I was forced to eat uh, bacon and donuts, I would be the most unhappy person. So <laughs> what makes me happy is broccolini and coconut oil <laughs> and mangoes okay. Okay. mangoes have you have you had tried mangoes mangoes and avocado it's like so good i do, I do like yeah i do like avocados um in fact i had uh avocado and egg yesterday for lunch that's delicious that's what i just had for lunch too yeah okay yeah so so i am trying to eat healthier i had a i had a turkey burger for lunch today and it was awful Really? Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to have to keep playing around with it. Keep searching. Keep searching. You'll find the foods that that taste delicious to you. I promise you. (laughs) All right. I'll I'll keep looking. Uh, We were supposed (laughs) to talk about music. So I (laughs) don't want to talk about diet instead. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Um, So so how are you holding up with all the craziness in the world? Like, what are you doing during a time where musicians can't perform on stage to, cause you have some new music to promote and you don't have stages to promote it. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I, um, I feel different depending on the day. Right. Yeah. So today I would have a different answer from what I would have two weeks ago, but, uh, you know, I, I try to always stay positive, especially when I'm speaking publicly because I only want people to get positive energy. Right. And, it, it's been it's been sort of um, working out for me some some sides of to, to this scenario where um, people are still willing to listen to music and probably even more so than ever um, at, available to listen to new music and, and streaming and buying new music so it, it worked out for me to be releasing a new project right now um, so it forced it forced my creativity in terms of coming up with my own music videos and um, yeah. developing that skill a little bit and I could go on and on for what's hard about it. But I think what's hard about it for me is hard for everyone else. So we, we all can relate to that. Yeah. Now I did a little research on you. So you're originally from France. Yeah. I grew up in Paris. So you immigrated to the U S a number of years ago to pursue music, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So how long, how long have you been in the States? 15 years. Okay. And what, yeah. what part do you live in? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. All right, mm-hmm. another another New Yorker, Wayne. Yeah, we uh, we seem we seem to be getting more and more New Yorkers on on the podcast. We just um, we just did an episode last last week with Steve Wynn, who is uh, grew up in California, but he's transplanted. I don't remember what what part did he say he he lived in. Oh, no. 
I just drew a complete blank. Near near the hospital, he said near the hospital that's get that was getting all the national attention because of COVID. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So wherever that is, um, I guess I should listen more often. <laughs> Where are you guys? So I'm in Florida. I'm okay. Just outside of Orlando, which is now just a haven maven for the COVID. We had nine thousand new cases reported cases yesterday so um i'm staying inside um yeah i'm not going anywhere and then uh wayne i'm up near seattle oh wow okay yeah so so when you came to the states so what did you do to kind of pursue that the your your musical career uh wow i think the first um the first step was to meet people and, and, you know, try to collaborate with as many people as possible. And then you find that meeting one person leads you to meeting another person that takes you to meeting another person. And, um, you know, through all these connections, I, I, the main thing for me was to find my sound and develop my, my musical style. Um, so it's, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. And you were in a band called Escort for a number of years. I was, yeah. So that's a little bit different sound than your your solo stuff. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I was in another band before Escort um, called The Crowd. It was We were really young, and it, it lasted for a few, maybe three, four years. Uh, it was hip-hop soul, so it was a little bit more what I'm doing now. But it was me and two rappers, a little bit like the Fugees. Uh, and then uh, that's when I just started playing bass, and then I... Um, joined escort they were looking for a lead singer the first album was pretty much written and i fell in love with performing the uh, disco style and I, through yeah. that through escort i really was able to develop my my self as a performer um so you know but i grew up with all different different kinds of you know music but predominantly soul r&b and funk yeah. um so i went back to that when i when i went solo Gotcha. And you, you've been playing bass. I saw a few videos of you still donning the bass. How long have you been playing the bass? Uh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 15 years, something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I found a video for your song, Come and Go, on YouTube. And you, you had, I guess you guys were just assembled as a three-piece band. Uh-huh. Of course, you're you're on the bass, and that's... That was a pretty emotional song. What's what's the story behind Come and Go? Uh, Come and Go was written, it's part of my first, my debut solo album. Uh, I co-wrote it. It's an, originally a duet with an, an amazing female artist named uh, Denisha. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we co-wrote it together. And uh, I think we were just kind of, I think it was about 2016, 2017, was we were kind of going through a rough time um, and we, we wanted to write a song about that's hopeful and just talking about finding that person that that's always there for you um, no matter what you go through. Yeah. And it's very relevant today. It's like, it could, you know, it could rain, there could be thunder or I could have added, there could be Corona and I'm still going to hold you down. Yep. I want to 
I love your positivity that 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 you have um, in your songs. Um, you did a video for After Midnight. Mm-hmm. I have to ask. So, uh, explain the stuffed horse head in that video. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I, I can't. It's one of those things where you get into this creative space and you you're like kind of on the edge of. Uh, crazy in a good way and you can't really explain what you're doing yeah. uh but i just wanted to be you know kind of show my my true personality and i'm just such a goofball uh and i have a nine-year-old steps on and this so this this pony is mikey mikey has been part of our life since uh my stepson was about two years old okay uh so it's a giant stuffed pony uh and uh i wanted to show how lonely i am in the video but still make it fun and quirky right. so i grabbed the pony That's as nice. my uh, best friend <laughs> yeah and, and for our listeners if you haven't seen the video go check it out the song is great as well um, <laughs> thank you I hear a very Erica Badu vibe in that song. Or in After Midnight? Um maybe not so much in After Midnight. A little maybe I hear more Jill Scott in After Midnight, but I def- uh. I definitely hear like um Middle and Twilight. I I, mm-hmm. I I definitely hear an Erica Badu vibe in in those songs. Were you in, inspired by Erica? Yeah, I, I love Erica so much. And it's interesting because I never planned years ago on, on having Erica as my main uh, source of, of um, inspiration. Just be, I mean, I, I absolutely, I'm a huge fan, but I'm just kind of have older artists more in mind when creating yeah. music, just because people that are more, uh, more recent, it's just seems so difficult to tap to because it, it's still so relevant and it's, you know, I don't think I can do better than what they're doing right now. Um, but I, I found, um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm super inspired by so many genres and I think it resulted in Erica. I think Erica and I have, uh, it seems like we're come from the same uh, Shaka Khan uh, school. Yeah. I, I feel like we're both like, she would be Shaka's little sister and I will be like the little niece or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, saw, I saw one interview where you said your heroes include Prince and Shaka. And, and Curtis Mayfield, yeah. Right. And I knew there was a reason why I liked you and wanted to get you on the podcast because, I, well, Wayne and I both love Prince. Oh. We, we did an episode uh, several weeks ago of uh, Under the Cherry Moon, which was... Oh, God, I love that movie. Oh, it's great. Um, but I went, through, I went through a Chaka Khan phase a few years ago. In fact, I probably have... And Wayne, you're, you're probably going to just shake your head when i say this i probably have more shaka khan vinyl records than i do springsteen records <sighs> me too <laughs> <laughs> you you've seen shaka khan live i have i finally finally saw her uh this year i okay. think it was maybe january or february this year for the first time yeah i saw her live about five years ago and she still had it is, is she still she's still yeah. rocking it She's amazing. I mean, I, I, I had to like, I almost stepped out because it was too much for me to handle. I'm, I'm a super fan, super, super fan. Uh, and I think that is almost one of the reasons why I had never seen her. It's almost a little bit like, you know, when kids see Senna and they start crying because it's so overwhelming, they're scared yeah. of Senna. Yeah. That's how I felt. I was scared to see her. I was scared to see her in person. It, it's so weird. I was frightened. And I think I never made the step because I couldn't handle it. Uh, but my husband forced me to. He was like, I'm buying a ticket. We're seeing Shaka. Very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> good, good husband. Yeah, absolutely. What's your, what's your, what's your go-to Shaka Khan song? That's a mouthful. Shaka Khan song. I actually just did a, uh, a similar podcast, uh, which is why I'm so excited because I, I enjoyed it so much nerding out on albums. Uh, and I, I, I picked Naughty, the album Naughty by Shaka Khan. Okay. Um, so that one has one of my favorite songs. It's just really difficult. I mean, Move Me No Mountain, it's uh, Sleep On It, I love also. Uh, I Know You, I Live You, I, I can't give you a straight answer. Yeah. Stay. Uh, that's good. Stay. Maybe Stay is my favorite. Yeah. Um, what about you? You know, I would probably go to the hits because when I did see her live, so when I saw her live, it was at uh, Epcot. And um, every year they do a food and wine festival, which they're probably not doing one this year. But um, And they, they invite all of these older, uh, you know, legacy type bands. You know, I've seen Gin Blossoms there and Survivor and... Dennis D. Young of Sticks, and um, I mean, pretty much anyone from like the '80s and '90s who are still around, um, mm -hmm. they get invited at some point. And she sang "I'm Every Woman," which, of course, Whitney made more uh, more popular. But mm -hmm. just hearing that, hearing her sing, that was just magical. Uh, yeah, I, I felt the same way when I saw her. Yeah. It's an amazing song. Absolutely, absolutely. Wayne, you got a you got a go to Shaka Khan song? Um, I, I, yeah, I think Every Woman and uh, I like Through the Fire. Oh I yeah, Feel for You. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I feel for you, which is a Prince song. Yes, 
Very much yep. so. Yeah. I think I, I still have to go. I, I told you I, I do the hits, but Ain't Nobody is yeah. one of the greatest songs ever. It really is to me one of the best songs ever. I, I feel the same way. We're totally on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And uh, do, do you know kind of the story on that? That that was towards the end of her reign in Rufus. With Rufus, yep. And mm-hmm. it was, they put it as a, it was a, li- it was a live album. And I'm trying to mm-hmm. remember what the live album's called. But they put a couple studio songs on there. Bump out the Savoy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the keyboardist who wrote it. And Warner Brothers didn't want to release it as a single. And so he basically said, well, if you don't release a single, I'm just going to take it to MJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll release it. And I think if I'm not mistaken, outside of I Feel For You, that is probably the biggest chart. Their biggest song. song. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the biggest Rufus song. Yeah. And it's interesting because once, once I heard the story, I was like, oh my God, this makes sense. Like it totally sounds like it could have been in Thriller. Right. That sounds, that reminds me of Thriller a little bit. It could have fit in that album so well. Totally. I I would have loved to have heard an MJ demo of that. That would have been. Mm. So, so you being a bassist, so how many times have you played the bass line for Tell Me Something Good? (laughs) Many times. (laughs) Many Uh, times. Never live. I always wanted to cover it. I cover. Uh, I know. I I know you. I live you live. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I I did that. I've been doing this on and off um, with my band. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So so what am I missing about um, you? Because we can continue talking about Shaka Khan forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got a couple new singles out on Spotify that I think everybody should check out. I've already mentioned After Midnight. Um, you have a couple remixed versions of Twilight out there on on Spotify. That was a, a challenge that you threw out to your fans, correct? Yeah. So it's it's not on Spotify. We decided to only put it out through Bandcamp. Oh, that's okay. Uh, that's where I heard. Yeah. It. But but yeah. So we because I released the instrumental along with the single as right. a B side, uh, and the instrumental got a lot of of uh, attention and and some people follow me on Instagram. Um, one in particular, a rapper and based in France wrote a freestyle verse and I thought, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so I started the challenge uh, and we got a lot of submissions. A lot of people just rewrote their versions of the song. Um, and so we decided to put it out as an EP and donate all the, it came out on Juneteenth and now uh, donated, donating all the proceeds to um, an organization. So it's, it's been great. It's, they're all artists of color from all over the world. Um, and it's been so humbling to hear, well, France, not so much because that's where I'm from, but uh, our, uh, our, we have a couple from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, that was amazing. I mean, when they, when they sent me their version, I got, I got really emotional hearing someone sing in Portuguese, living so far uh, in Brazil and, and knowing that they were touched by the music and put, yeah. a, put their own twist to it was so humbling.
How, how are you reaching people, you know, like people in Brazil? How, how is your music getting to them? Is there, is there, I think the connection with Brazil is uh, CeeLo Green because I, I play bass for him. I've been in his band for about five years. Yeah. And uh, his manager is Brazilian, Sabrina. Hi, Sabrina. I love her so much. Um, <laughs> and she's from Sao Paulo, so she's extremely connected there. And there's, a, you know, there's a connection with Brazil thanks to her. And we've, we've played Rock in Rio, which is a ju- yeah. one of the biggest festivals it's in huge. the world. Yeah. Um, and I think, and CeeLo always gives um, me and any, anybody in the band uh, a lot of shine. So I have a little moment in the, in the show where I'm in front, it gives me the front stage and I sing and play. And um, so I, that, that helped, you know, a little bit. And we, we played in different, different cities in Brazil. So I think it, it comes from there. Very cool. I always get excited, Wayne, when whenever I'm I'm doing you know the 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 data on our downloads, and I see, oh, somebody from Russia is downloading, mm. or Japan, or you know, we we did uh, a couple episodes with uh, uh, a couple of the guys from Yumi Zuma, which is a New Zealand band, and so wow. you know, getting some Australian New Zealand downloads was that was kind of cool. I like being yeah. international. It's great. It's a great feeling. Yeah. All right. Anything else that I'm missing on your music before we dive into the record that you chose? Uh, Maybe just the, I would mention uh, to people that there's an EP coming out um, July 10th, including these two songs we mentioned and uh, a few more. So I'm excited about that. Excellent. Yeah, definitely go check that out. All right. um, so, So tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Uh, I chose uh, Got to Find a Way by Curtis Mayfield. Excellent. What were some other records that you thought about uh, thought about doing? I thought about Dirty Mind by Prince. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite albums. Okay, we're going to have oh, you back on. Yeah, I'll come back. I'll talk yeah, about Prince. Anytime. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what else? Any, any, any uh, other? I can't remember. I mean, I, I thought about... Uh, Adventures in Paradise by Minnie Ripperton. Okay, I'm not super familiar with that one. What's oh, on? The, what's on that one? Uh, that one has um, what is it called? Baby, I'm trying to show you that I love you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just that one or Perfect Angel. I love both these albums. Excellent. By Minnie Ripperton. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so some bio info on Gotta Find a Way. So it was uh, a 1974 studio album from Curtis. Peaked at number 76 on the Billboard 200 album chart. Was a number 17 hit on the R&B hip-hop album chart. Um, And of course, you know, Curtis had a nice little run going on in uh, in the early 70s. So just so you know, for chronology of albums, so Curtis's first solo album, that was 1970. That's the one that has Move On Up, which is Mm -hmm. looking at Spotify. That's the most listened to Curtis song out there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, The soundtrack for Superfly was 1972. And then uh, this is 1974. He also did a couple other soundtracks i guess he helped gladys knight and the pips um with uh, claudine and i'm probably probably getting the chronology incorrect on there um but um 
this was the follow-up to Sweet Exorcist, which was also released in 1974. That mm-hmm. one peaked at number 39 on the Billboard 200 chart, but it was a number two hit on the R&B chart. And so, so given that this was not as commercially successful as the predecessor, but keep, keep in mind that, that both Sweet Exorcist and this record were released in 1974. And Wayne, mm-hmm. we've talked about this on, on other episodes about 70s records that you know some artists during that time period were churning out one or two records a year, which wow. is just crazy. Yeah. Like if if you were and I'll throw this to the musician of of the group, if you were asked by your record label, you got to put out two records this year, what would the quality level be? Like you would just Can be I be right- completely honest with you? Yeah. I have two records and my out, my label is asking me to only focus on one this year. Oh, I really? want to release three records this year. Okay. I and 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 I think it's probably because I'm so inspired by Curtis, but these two albums to mention, they they have Got, they have six and seven songs each. So they're almost more like EP. They were EPs before EPs were a thing, right? right. Uh, but to me, they're records, they're albums. Uh, my, my EP coming up has seven songs. And I have, I'm over, I've been working on the next EP. It's, it's almost done. I, I've, I actually was bummed when my manager was like, I don't know if we're going to release it in the fall. Um, and I'm working on a third one. So I would, that's all I want to do is release music. Right. So right. for me, it's, I want that. <laughs> Do do you get more um, consideration of releasing more than one EP if since you're calling it an EP as opposed to if you were to say this is an LP, this is a full length album, mm-hmm. but my full length album is only six songs or seven songs, however. That uh, I I don't really have a preference for what it's called. Um, yeah, you know, it's I I just kind of leave that to the business side of it and they want to package it like that yeah as long as i can control what's in it and the music and uh the rest of it is pretty you know this is 2020 if what we call it is ep then so be it right (laughs) yeah right um all right a couple other things on this before we dive into each of the songs so curtis i believe he did all the production on this but the arrangements, so I did a little little uh, research on this. So Rich Tufo uh, did a lot of the arrangements. I looked at his credits, super impressive. Worked with Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin. Did a lot of the Impressions records, which is where mm. I would surmise that that's yep. probably where Curtis developed a you know working relationship with with Rich and you know got a, mm-hmm. a comfort level with him. Um, and. Let's see. There is a singles edit for Mother Son. We'll talk about that as we get there. So I want I want to hear your opinion on this review from All Music. So this was Ron Wynn from All Music. He said, Curtis Mayfield continued his run of excellent albums in the 70s with Gotta Find a Way. This album had more love songs than some of his earlier material, although he didn't tone down his searing attacks on American injustice and hypocrisy. His vocals continued to be alternately poignant, urgent, and accusatory, while his lyrics, production, and arrangements were once again magnificent. Mm-hmm. I think that that pretty much sums up this record. Yeah? Yeah. To me, yes. Perfectly. Yeah. And I would say... Um, 
and maybe Wayne, you can you can uh, rebuttal this. Um, I would say this record is probably would be considered one of the deepest tracks that we've done of recording. Um, you know, I, I look at, uh, well, I, met, I mentioned a couple of, of Curtis's other records, which are probably more known. So this is, this is probably a, a demonstration of how deep track this was. And yeah. it's great. And it's great. Um, so usually I provide our guests with lyrics to the record in advance to, you know, help you with your analysis of the record. And when I was looking on the internet, I, with, you know, a simple Google search, I could, I couldn't find two lyric lyrics, um, two songs with the lyrics. So this is how committed I am as a, as a podcast host, Wayne. So I want to, I want to, I want a little shout out for this. So I went to eBay there is there were there were some eBay users that were selling their copies. They had pictures of the inserts. Wow! I took I took those pictures and then I transcribed them. So now I need to get the <sighs> lyrics added to all of the inter, internet lyrical websites out there. So I'm in the process of going to do that. So thank you so much. I'm sorry wow. I didn't even realize that I picked such a deep cut record. Um, you know. I, I appreciate you guys rolling with me. Not, not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> I mean, we've we've done we've done uh, albums that we weren't super familiar with, but yet, you know, had a had a certain um, you know popularity in, in other circles. But um, no, this was great. So thank you for yeah. the exercise. So absolutely. All right. Um, all right, so we're going to do go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs on this record? Six. Which means our top song is going to get six points. Next favorite song, five points on Dan to our lowest score of one. So that essentially means to find our top five songs on the record, we're really only eliminating one song. And <gasps> spo- spoiler alert, um, we all agreed on that lowest score. So here we go. We did. We did. So, so this is lead, lead song uh, or first song. This is Love Me Right in the Pocket. And I had to do a little research as to the baselines for this album uh, because one of the things that I think I equate with Mayfield Records um, is the bass. Is it? Is well, that, I can tell you about that. It's going to ask. So, is that is that the 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 draw with with Curtis? Considering you're you're also a bassist. Yeah, my favorite bass player was Lucky Scott, yeah. who plays on Curtis Mayfield. And for a quick story, um, Curtis 
is, as we know from the impressions, uh, my base mentor, Fred Cash, his father was Fred Cash Sr. from the impressions. Wow. Uh, who started the impressions with Curtis. And, yeah. and uh, so my base mentor learned bass from Lucky Scott from watching the impressions practice in, in their basement. Uh, and so I was always drawn to Curtis Mayfield's music when I started playing bass. The first bass line I learned was Superfly. Nice. Uh, and then I met my mentor to find out only afterwards who he was. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the luckiest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, play on words there, luckiest person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Lucky, Lucky was essentially the musical director for Curtis. Um, mm-hmm. I looked at I looked at a lot of his his credits in um, his time with Curtis dates back to the impression. So maybe we should give a little extra history lesson. So the impressions were more of a like a doo-wop group um, mm-hmm. back in back in the 60s. They, they rivaled the Motown sound. They were from Chicago, right? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so I would say. People Get Ready is probably their most popular song, I would think. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud. What about I'm so proud? I'm so proud is is up there. I would say from from our from our time period, um, you know, Rod Stewart covered People Get Ready. So there's there's uh-huh. There's, uh-huh. There's, there's definitely that. I didn't know that that, that one was bigger. That thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, because Rod Stewart hasn't written any of his own music since the <laughs> so yeah. So, you, you know, you got to cover really good songs from previous times. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I did read in regards to Lucky was whenever Curtis was starting a new record, he would sit with Lucky to kind of map out the record, which I think is one of the reasons why you get a lot of those bass lines, because Lucky, huge pivotal role in the creation of these albums. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's, who's the, the, the person who's behind the percussion because the percussion for a lot of these songs is just fantastic. I don't know. Yeah. I should have done a little but more it's, research. It's so amazing. I should have done research too. Yeah. I should have known that. All right. We, I, I took us down a path again, um, of the history of, of Curtis. So Wayne, anything on love me right in the pocket? I, I he has a, I love the guitar in this. Um, and I think he has a he has a style. There's a there's a, a signature Curtis Mayfield guitar sound, and uh, and then his voice. And so we, whenever whenever you have those two things, you're already going to have a good song. Uh, but the, I've always been drawn to the more social commentary stuff. So this one's pretty much a straight up "I Want You, Baby" song. So it was a little was a little different for me. But okay. uh, and and like I say. I think uh, I don't even believe that you can call the refrain uh, a double entendre. It's 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 a bit dirty. It's like the twelve year old boy and me loved it. <laughs> right, right. We we bring up the Beavis and Butthead thing a lot, so yeah, I can can totally see that. How about you, Adeline? What 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 about this song is great for for me? This this song is is all the bass line. It's all the bass. I mean. Yeah. Lucky Scott is my favorite bass player. So um, I spent hours. This album to me is, I spent out, somehow he just, there's, 
there's what Curtis is singing and, and the melody, the, the verse melody for this song, the way he comes in, it, uh, Curtis, it's, it's just so beautiful beyond the lyrics, um, just the melody and the tone. But the, the conversation of the bass, uh, Lucky has his own voice and he has uh, had a capacity to be super groovy and super funky, but yet so melodic. Mm-hmm. And he's just singing on the song. He's just singing. Yeah. Uh, with his bass and that that's all I listen to in this song is the bass Are you and you the- talked about the lyrical content that I'm like really I didn't even pay attention it's yeah. bad but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no problem no problem um, alright um, let's get some scores on this one so Wayne what do you what do you got on love me right in the pocket four alright mm. and Adeline five all right, this is my four as well. All right, next song is So You Don't Love Me. And I think this this song really shows Curtis's range as a as a vocalist. Do you guys like when he's just straight up singing, or do you like it when he does a little bit of that falsetto, or do you like the 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 combo of the two? Because I think that this is this kind of shows the range of of his his vocal prowess. I like both. Yeah, I like the combination. I think. Yeah. He, I like it. He had to, he's really good with talking too. He does. Curtis would do a lot of talking on records. Um, right. <laughs> Wayne, what do you got on this song? Um, it, it actually almost feels like um, further down the road from the last song where he meets the girl and just trying to get her number, trying to, trying to get with her. And then this one is, is the, the breakup. So it's like the other side of it. Um, I do like, the funkier stuff. And I think that this one was, this one was more, it it lacks some funk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is that because of the strings? Uh, um, No, because he puts those in, I mean, like Superfly and stuff like that. And even um, my favorite song on this record, I think that those are in there too. Um, It's just, there's just something, it's just something funk, something funky is missing. But I, uh, I love the I, I love the part where he goes I uh, and I don't even want to try to sing it but I guess I got to find me a better place like that one line the way he says it yeah. is so is, is the highlight of the song. Mm-hmm. I love the ending of the song. I love the layered vocals and the, the the flute that comes in towards the end. I think it's really beautiful. You know, to to what you were saying, Wayne, with it's the uh, it's the breakup song. You know, that flute is kind of playing and here's the Pied Piper and it's the end. That's the end of the relationship. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually wondering. And as I revisited this record recently, um, if it's about love or it's about a more 
broader context and injustice. To me, yeah. it could be interpreted in both ways. I, I, I listened to it recently and just, I've been just in this head, head space and, uh, you know, it was in that, that song cannot find a way, which is clearly a protest song, but I thought maybe, so you don't love me can, could also be talking to no. somebody who just, you're rejecting me and it could be interpreted that way. Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah, vulnerability no, I, in Curtis's voice that you don't hear very often that I love finding in, in, in that song. Cause he's usually rebellious and he's very vulnerable in this one and just kind right. of accepting rejection, which is, he always, um, he always objects to rejection in all his songs. And this is one where he just kind of accepts it. Um, yeah, especially, yeah, you know what? I'm looking at the lyrics in that verse where, you know, it's in a world already filled with misery. Yeah. I have no intentions to let my spirit come right on me. Just, I was just yeah. Live on up. through the years and keep some proud on my face, the scar of the disgrace. I guess I got to find a better, I got to find that, then that, that really my favorite part. So yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that now that you say it. Yeah. I think that's kind of what he was talking about. Um, but if not, then it's, it spoke to me in, in a way where it's very relevant. Um, so I, I hear this song differently now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to listen to it differently as well. So <laughs> thank you for that. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, Adeline, your score for this? Three. And then Wayne? Two. And I really dug this song. This was my five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next song is A Prayer. Wayne, when we did our episode about Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, do you think that this song has a kind of a save the children vibe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one is definitely more of a, a social commentary. Um, I just, for me, the it was, he, it sounds like it almost gets caught in between styles. Like he does seem like he's doing a little bit more of the, like the early impression stuff. Like it almost has a doo-wop feel mm-hmm. to it, but it gets caught in between and then it almost sounds like some 70s soft rock slash r&b type so i i guess sonically it didn't it, it was and then the guitar where it's which is usually so f- smooth kind of was almost distracting it's like i would have rather just the organ maybe take this song by we had leave the guitar out so with the impressions thing you're talking about the when when it does the dun 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 dun, dun that that part which I guess happens what about a half dozen times. But like even though even kind of the way he the way he sings at at points in the song, it, it almost has a, okay. It's very doo wop reminiscent, <laughs> doo woppy. If you if if that's a word, we'll make it a word. There you go. Uh, what do you got on this? Adam? Um, 
Reading the lyrics made me again like I, I, thank you for sending those lyrics because when I read the li- lyrics, I, I it, it the song meant a lot more to me um, because it's not you know there's not it's not bass fest. <laughs> it was a little bit less uh, attractive to me, but I I love the it's it's pretty. It's a re- very pretty song. It's just somehow ended up not being the one I listened to the most when I and I listened to that record yeah. a million times. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's let's talk scores. Wayne, your score. This was my least favorite. Okay. And Adeline. My score is one as well. And my score is one as well. Uh-huh. Not and not that I hate the song. It's just no, me too. Um, yeah. All the all the other songs uh, ring higher for me. Um, and we talked about how few songs are on this record. So now we're going to flip the record over. Yeah, you only heard three songs, um, and we're already flipping the record over. Um, all right, so next song is Mother's Song. I'm assuming, Adeline, that you've played this song a bunch with that bass line. Not as much as the other ones. Really? Okay. It's less my style. This, this was the bass line that got me. Oh, yeah. wow. It's a little bit more on the edges of rock in a way. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I love it. And I, and I did play along to it, but not as much as the other one. It's less melodic. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, what I thought was funny. So after I did the exercise of transcribing the lyrics, so somebody reported to Spotify that this was an explicit song and, uh, he's saying funky, not the other word that Wayne likes to use. Um, and and I confirmed that on the lyrics, uh, image from, from the album. So that's funky. That's not the other word. Uh I, the one thing that, I think we haven't really talked about. So, you know, love me right in the pocket. That's, that's a seven minute long song. This song is six minutes. The next song is also a seven minute song. Um, do any of the songs, do you feel like they're a little too long? He could have maybe, uh, edited himself. I mean, that's, that, that's part of the problem with, when the artist is also the producer, mm-hmm. they don't have that outside voice telling them, you know, maybe if you cut a minute and a half down from this song, this could be a single, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering if, if any of these songs you felt your, the way that you looked at those songs were affected by the length. Ah, that's a good question. I, maybe for this song, I mean, the intro is so long for this song. It takes so long before it gets there. Uh, I could have probably used the shorter intro, but there's something about it. Whenever I hear it, 
there's so many sampleable. I'm making up a word too, right? It's not two new words. I don't want that, yeah. I guess. Uh, so many bites, sound bites that like I want to sample or hear something somewhere else or like do something with. So I'm sort of selfishly glad they kept it all there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that uh, the way you guys looked at the lyrics, this is a social commentary song. Oh, absolutely. It's a it's a, a warning to uh, you know to I'm assuming uh, young black men, uh, but it's. There's the thing I love about it most is there's two guitar parts. Um, one of them does more of a rhythm thing. And then this, the, the other one is more, has more of a lead type thing. And it really has like this uh, Jimi Hendrix feel to it. You know, not, not the same, but like an influence in there. So it has a, the two guitars are super cool. I love the raw gritty lyrics, you know, about the, you know, Watch out for those junkies and, uh, you know, when they get you behind in front of that gun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else, Adeline, anything to add? I just, I just, uh, really, um, like the way he comes in the, the, if, you know, for listeners, if you guys want to check out the song, the, the way he comes in that it takes so, the intro takes so long. And then this, that little really gritty, uh, mm, thing that he does in the intro and i just love that so much it's so cool (laughs) and and when i get the the lyrics transcribed um that is actually how he transcribed them on the album insert was it starts out with ah um uh um Uh, um, um, uh." (laughs) yep so he was being very literal there all right uh let's get some scores uh adeline uh, two. And then Wayne? A five. All right. And this is my three, which leads us to Cannot Find a Way. And he saw the Here's here's just my my notes on this was the song came out in 1974 and yet the message is still important. Yeah, yeah I wrote in my notes it says uh, still is relevant today. Um, this this song is sonically and lyrically amazing. In fact, I'm very surprised that it wasn't edited and put out as a single. I, I, I saw, I think I saw the only single was mother son. Correct. Um, I'm surprised this, this song is, should be in the conversation with, uh, one of his, his best songs. And I love how that, I love how it ties in to the title of the record is got to find a way. And this song is can't find a way, cannot find a way. Um, I think that was, that's super cool too. Yeah. Adeline, what do you got on this? Oh, it makes me almost 
emotional. I mean, not almost, but fully. It's, it's so beautiful. It's everything about this song. And the strings. I just want to point out to the strings on this. Um, yeah. But the lyrics, I mean, it's, it's so... I'm so glad we're doing this because somehow the timing of this... I'm so glad I picked this album and, and yeah. re-listening to this song. It, uh, it's made me, brought me to tears. And I've been, I've been uh, very active in the recent movement. And um, it just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird, um, you know, what, I've, what, what Wayne was just saying is this sad uh, fact that we are still, it's still so relevant today. And it's, it's saddening and sort of having that song, um, is comforting also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the lyrics. So let me, let me just say that the first, the first verse. So people across the country, they all protest the same old news, the white and black, rich and poor find we're all standing in the same old shoes. And like I'm listening to this in 2020, this song was written 1974. And I realized that, have we made any progress in my lifetime? Like I've been alive that entire time and I'm wondering, I don't know what it's, it's confusing to me how we haven't made the, 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 the progress that I wish that we could see. And I'm, and I'm saying this from, I'm, I'm a white male. So Adeline, you've got a whole different perspective. So you're an immigrant, you're black, and you're a woman. Yeah. And so you've got all of these different things that, um, you know, can continue to, to, to be um, things that are making the news of discrimination against all of those, all of those. Everything things. that I am. <laughs> right, right. So, so absolutely understand why, you know, you, you would want to be vocal in, 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 in trying to, to change things. So, um, I don't know. I just hope that 2020 we we do change some things. And uh, this is my my plug to tell everybody: go vote when it's time. Go vote. You, you know what I'm talking about. And vote because uh, this girl that you're listening to can't. So just be reminded: it's a privilege to vote. I'm a legal immigrant, but as a resident, yeah. uh, I have a green card, but I do not have a passport, uh, and therefore I'm I'm not allowed to vote. So and what. And what's the process to get legal? It's so. Uh, it's in so my difficult. case, normally it's after you've had a green card for five years, you're eligible for uh, citizenship. So I am almost there. Okay. I'm almost there, but I'm I'm not there yet. So, you know, it's it's guys, you can vote, so do it. Because <laughs> I can't. I mean, I also chose to be here. I wasn't born here, so. It, one could argue, right. I, I understand the, some some aspects of what the uh, other side of the story is for people that are not supportive of immigrants. Uh, but you're paying taxes, right? I am paying taxes. That is okay for sure. Yeah. And I paid my, I, I will not tell you how much I spent on lawyer fees to get my green card. Oh, that's another podcast, but it, I paid my dues. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got friends who have gone through that that whole process and it's it's painful. It yeah. was painful to watch watch them. They don't make it easy to to become a legal immigrant. No. Just, just so people no. who are not um, open to um, immigration, it's I'm most 
I can guarantee you 99% of illegal immigrants would love to become legal and pay their taxes. Yeah. And it's just not that easy. It's not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. All right. Anything else on the song? Because we, we can we can talk about the yeah. the, 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 the song the, is the just move. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I particularly, like I say, the line that always stands out to me is, is the reference to Cadillacs and rockets to the moon. Yes. I mean, we, I mean, we can put a man into space, but yet we're still dealing with the same, I mean, a series of problems that are as old as humanity. And I mean, it just feels like we put our minds together. We can do incredible things and yet stuff that seems so easy, uh, we still struggle with like putting on a damn mask. <laughs> yeah. So it's so hard. Uh, someone said, uh, I saw this meme that I thought was very funny, but very true. Uh, someone saying, uh, you know, if only they could find a, a, a cure, I mean, a way to not get the disease. And someone said, well, it's just putting on a mask just for now, just do it. And you won't get sick. Yep. It works. Yep. Apparently <laughs> it does work. I've been doing it. <laughs> All right, let's get some scores. This is my top song. Adeline? My top song as well. Yeah. Wayne? Uh, same here. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So we agree on least favorite and most favorite. So uh, let's wrap this up. This is Ain't No Love Lost. lot going on in this song i got fixated on the percussion on this song mm. uh wayne what do you got on this song and, you know and i think musically it stays real true to 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 what he what he mostly does i mean it's it's funky it's real soulful i think i i got caught up and of course um she she blew my my theory just a little bit when she when she uh pulled you know uh gosh the second song on the album, so you don't love me, into maybe a more politically, you know, social commentary than I was thinking. Yeah. But otherwise, this would fit into a kind of a trilogy with those first two songs. You know, he sees this girl, he 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 wants you know to be in a relationship with her. Then that relationship ends, and then he comes to terms with that, and he gets on. Ain't no love lost. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's a good album closer as well, based off of that theme, right? Yeah, yeah, calling it all back. Yep, yep. Don't don't give everybody the ending right up front. But yeah, I love that he's, and even this could you could even take that into the same, you know, into the same direction as so you don't love me. I mean, some things you just have to come to terms with. Not everything, but you know, sometimes life gives you lemons, and you you don't you you don't always make lemonade. Sometimes you just it takes you a while to get that sour look off your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adeline, what do you got on this song? Uh, to me, this this is 
And one of my favorite um, Curtis Mayfield songs, but, uh, from the band perspective, musically, and, and you guys summed it up so well. I never realized that the, it's placed in the in the record as, as being the last, being so so uh, so well put, and it makes so much sense. I had never thought about that, but it it sounds like a jam. It sounds like it makes me want. It makes me feel like I'm in a room and watching the band perform. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the, the percussion again, the bass is out of the out of this world for me. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just the band. It, it, I'm like, wow, this band is amazing that they sound so great together. And I love the, the, the vocal melodies in the verse. I could have, I could I want to hear Gladys Knight sing this song. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Like that part, you claim that to deceive me and now you want to leave me. It's just, there's something about the way that this, the song is written. Um, I, I would love, I would have loved to hear like a, powerful female singers sing that song i will um I'll, i'll i'll send a message over my brother-in-law sings in her um religious choir oh wow oh my god so uh, so i will uh I'll, i'll put a note not that he has any pull or anything so can i add something to the note <laughs> yeah sure sure i love her, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get some scores on this. Oh, the one other thing that I wanted to bring up. So you, Adeline, you you talked about how this was a, was a little bit of a jam, and I and I really like the percussion on this. Mm -hmm. This is actually the shortest song on the record. So this mm -hmm. clocked in at three minutes twenty nine seconds, mm -hmm. and I could have totally seen this as a longer song, a mm -hmm. more jammy song, but I thought it was interesting that the choice of making some of the other songs you know, six minutes, seven minute long songs. And then this minute, this one just gets a three and a half minute song. So I thought that was interesting. That interesting. Yeah. Um, so this is my two Wayne three and then Adeline. It's my four. All right. And this is, uh, where I would say, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? <laughs> I think we got it. Mm -hmm. I think we did. So no 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 surprises on what our top score is. So that's cannot find a way that that got uh, straight sixes. Um, I don't know what you get in Vegas with the straight six. Um, Love me right in the pocket was our second with an average score of four point three three. We had a two way tie for um, so you don't love me and mother son, and then our top five was rounded out by ain't no love lost. So a prayer um, that got booted out of our top five, and I and just so you know, I I tried to play around with with my scores, where I was going to try and give it like a, a a tie for fifth, so that we didn't leave anything <laughs> out for our top five. I just I couldn't make the numbers work. So, <laughs> anyways, um, Adeline, this was great. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It was great, I I had so much fun. Thank you so much for, for coming on. So tell our listeners where they can find all of your happenings. Everywhere is Adeline, A-D-E-L-I-N-E. -E. So on Spotify, Adeline, um, you know, Apple Music, you can find me on all streaming platforms. Um, my Instagram is at Adeline, A-D-E-L-I-N-E. -E. Um, and that's about it. Okay. You doing any of these uh, Facebook Lives or Instagram Live shows that I'm, that I'm seeing a lot of musicians doing? I do some, 
of them. I just did one for um, Radio Woodstock yesterday, for instance. Uh, okay. I've done a, I've done a few. Um, you know, I, I have to say it's that's the one part where I'll complain a little bit. It's just that's difficult for me because I it's hard to trend. It's just hard to make what you do live translate and in, in, yeah. in that way. And I'm a bass player. And right. my thing is to like play bass with my band and sing yep. at the same time on a stage and just interact with the audience. And I'm sort of, you know, have to um, get to I'm in this place where I'm just basically playing guitar and singing. And that's so not my forte. Right. Uh, so it's, yeah, but it's okay, you know. So I, I don't have many just really planned for now, but uh, I'll post if anything comes up. And I'll definitely do more. Uh, Try to elaborate on the live, live stuff when the album is out. Perfect. Oh, I said album. EP. There you go. EP. <laughs> all right. So, so last question. We throw this out to all of our guests. So, so who do you know that we don't know who should join us on our podcast to talk about one of their oh. favorite records? Um, hmm. God. Okay. Um, this is difficult. Jonathan Singletary. Okay. I don't yeah. know Jonathan. He's a great, he's actually in my house right now. He's a really great friend. Oh, okay. Hi, Jonathan. I <laughs> can't hear you, but we co-wrote, uh, I'm mentioning him because we co-wrote um, After Midnight and Twilight together. He's an amazing oh, songwriter uh, and he's a multi-instrumentalist and he's, the interesting thing about Jonathan and I that, that, that might be interesting for you is we, we're really close friends. We're close collaborators. We've written three of the six songs on my EP together. Uh, but we don't necessarily listen to the same music. All our musical worlds collide in a very narrow way. Um, so he has a knowledge of, of certain styles and of music and artists that I don't. So it, it it will be interesting to have a conversation with someone that I'm so close to musically, but listens to very different things. Um, Very cool. And it's possible, you know, it just shows. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll chat. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page or Twitter at Podcast Records. Instagram page, just search for Records Revisited Podcast. And of course, you can find us on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And just as a reminder, please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that right now. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. If you can, visit a record store or buy something online. And if you're out in public, wear a mask. We are Records Revisit, and we are out. out.